Praise God. It's not difficult to get tea excited, right? He's a good man. Hallelujah. We are so blessed. You're good people. It doesn't sound like I'm on very loud, am I? Not very loud. You can just just uh, raise me. We have a please be patient with our sound today. Janine jumped into sound because we had an unexpected uh, sound issue this morning. Well, our sound people were, one of them couldn't make it and, and un- unforeseen, so it was just one of those issues. So she said, I'll try it, jump in there. So thank you, Janine. <laughs> you're, you're a star, man. So um, is that loud enough? You happy? Do you want me to yell? I can become a, become a yeller. It's uh, awesome. Um, I just wanted to mention um, to next week, you know that we, we started this year doing a fifth Sunday's event where we decided that every fifth Sunday we were going to have an after service hangout time. And that was really just to do, just to, to, to create an atmosphere where, or another opportunity where we get to fellowship with one another. Really, that is the key thing. Koinonia and, and getting to know one another and, and relate to one another in a different level is such a, but we wanted to do sort of a church-wide thing. So there's only four or so fifth Sundays in a month. And, and actually, August was it. We, with this last Sunday was a fifth Sunday, um, but we bumped it. We bumped this uh, event, which we're going to do next Sunday uh, instead in lieu of our fifth Sunday. Just pretend it's the fifth Sunday, even though it's not, okay? But next Sunday, you're invited to an ice cream and cake uh, after the service. We're going to just hang out. If you can make time, make time. And if you're anti-sugar, um, we'll cast it out in the name of Jesus and try and... <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, but it's no. We, we get, uh, Corinne has got something special she has on her heart that she wants to do, and it's it's a themed event, so it's kind of like a party themed event. So you'll you'll find out more next week. Amen. So, um, hallelujah. I just uh, sense a real sp- a spiritual or a, sp- a, sen- a real uh, a gentle spiritual presence here this morning, and um, just yield to that. Just just surrender to to what the the Spirit of God is doing here this morning. Because um, um, I I believe that that God is always present to heal. He's always present to do something in your life, if you will. If you will. As I I mentioned last week, do you know that that we're such a key factor, if if I will, if, if you will is such a, a hindrance to God. And, and I, I mean, I meant to mention this, and I know, listen, guys, you, you, we're real here, right? You, you know, this church, we're going to talk real and be real. In fact, if you were hoping for sort of a more traditional church and you're a guest here, I'm very sorry. Forgive us for, we didn't mean to mislead you in any way. But, but you know, um, I don't feel that there, this is a, a traditional church in the traditional sense of the word. Um, and in fact, uh, we've got to be careful when we, when we talk about religion because there's this, there's this ditch, remember, every, every, for every mile of road you get two mile of ditches, there's this ditch you can go into by being anti-religious. You can, beca- you can become religiously anti-religious if you don't watch it. And, and we're, 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 we're not religious. I don't think we're religious, but we can. Internally, we can embrace, and, and I, I have certain amounts of quote-unquote religion, and, and we can define religion as certain things. Um, there is a good way to define religion, um, but, but we're talking, you know, as we say in South Africa, chalk and cheese. 
that's, that's an expression we use to say the two extremes. We, religion and what Jesus offers is not religion. It is not religion. And that's what makes me sick to the pit of my stomach is because religion is fake and religion offers something, but it can't give it to you. It can't give it to you. No matter what, you, what religion or what faith you call a faith, or what, it, it, it cannot give it to you. There's only a person who can give it to you who's alive today, and his name is Jesus Christ. There's only knowing the person of Jesus Christ that can change and affect and transform your life. Religion can't do it. So when we talk about church in the traditional sense of the word, I'm going to constantly go against the grain. If, you're, if you have got that mindset that says this is what church should be, it will, it will be like, that coming here will probably be like sandpaper. Because I, I, I don't, and I don't, I don't want it to be sandpaper to you, but I'm just telling you that there is a better way. There is life. I have lived in religion myself, and I have seen what it can and can't give you. And I don't want to become anti-religious. In the sense that I am going to be negative and hateful towards people in religion. I was trapped in religion myself. I thank God there's pieces of religious trappings that you can still get born again in. And I want to, I want to distinguish. I want to distinguish. Is it okay if I be real? Right. Please. Because as I said, we're not trying to, to, to blow out anybody else's candle. We're not trying to um, get mean at absolutely anybody but you know you mean remember jesus story of the good samaritan do you remember in his story they were constantly trying to try and get him with something you know trick him the, the pharisees were trying to trick him and and this guy says well what must i do you know what are the what are, what are the best commandments and he says well there's you know what which ones do you think jesus odds the guy and he said well to love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and to love your neighbors and your as yourself and jesus says well you've answered correctly if you, if you do these, you, that, because really that is the encompassing of the whole law is those two commandments, right? And that is the new commandment that Jesus gave us, etc. So then the guy seeking to justify himself, it says in the scripture, asks Jesus the follow-up question. Remember what, he's, what his motive is, seeking to justify himself. In other words, I'm going to use these words that we've just said. You've said I can have eternal life if I do this. So... So who's my neighbor exactly? He wants to, he wants to be, he wants to be like, okay. And we, we all do this because when we have a religious mindset, I've done it 10,000 million times myself. What is right? How far can you go? Where do you draw the line? And let me ask you, let me tell you that that, that mindset is absolute proof that you're in religion. Yes, sadly it is, because religion will draw these lines of this is good and this is bad, and, and it's, it's not got to do with faith in Jesus at all. It's, not, it's, not, it's, it's void of relationship and understanding of what that's all about. So what, what happens with, with, with Jesus' answer is very interesting, because he tells the story and he says, okay, there was this Samaritan, right? And he he, um, this, this man goes between, sorry, he doesn't say, you know, you know the story, he goes down on, on a journey between two cities, and he gets attacked by thieves and left half dead on the side of the road, and then it says that there's a priest comes by, a priest represents religion, and he 
crosses over to avoid this guy sitting in the road, half dead, lying in the road, half dead. Religion doesn't help you. Levite comes. Levite comes down the road. This is a studious guy. He knows the law. He can, he can recite the Ten Commandments and all the five books of the Bible. In fact, he can re recite the Psalms, the prophets, the minors, and the majors. They'll tell you all the books of the Bible in order. That's the Levite. He crosses over to the other side. But then there's the Samaritan who was, of course, an, an unacceptable person in Jewish culture. He wasn't really even part of the in crowd, the acceptable crowd. He was kind of smelly and you avoided him. He was the guy that picks him up and takes him, pours in oil in the wine, helps him. Remember? He says, be like that guy. That is, that is it. You see, religion, it's constantly amazing to me. Religion will use people to achieve its goals. I'm going to say that again. Religion will use people to achieve its goals. That's why we don't want to use anybody here to achieve a goal here. At Lake Haven, we want to particularly, if you have on your heart, God has called you to serve in a capacity, then great, because we need each part, every joint supplies. We do. It takes, it takes all of us to get this job done, but we aren't going to use you. If you feel like you're used to get somewhere or to, but you see, you see that even... <laughs> Even, they even used a woman. They set up an adulterous trap. They got this woman. Remember, she, it was definitely a trap they, that somebody set up because you don't see the guy in the story in John 8 where they actually get a woman, caught, catch her in the act of adultery so they knew when and where it was going to happen. It was a big setup. The guy isn't with them because he was part of the whole part of the scheme. And they, are, they used this woman knowing that by law, she should be stoned to death. But, oh, that doesn't really matter. She's just a prostitute. We're going to use this woman to catch Jesus. Think about that for a minute. They were willing to kill somebody to catch Jesus in a technicality so that they can look good, they can look good and make Jesus look bad. So there's this... There's this element that, that, I, that as we pursue God, as we, on, on many of us here are believers, if you come here for any length of time and you, you're hungry for Jesus, and I believe that's what church is. Uh, and again, I, I'm talking a philosophy of ministry, so, so bear with me over here. But in our philosophy of ministry here, this, a church, a church is, is for believers, essentially. Now, unbelievers are welcome to come, and please feel free, bring unbelievers. Because I believe this is the easiest place for an unbeliever to be saved in. Amen? But church itself is designed as a place for believers to get strong, to grow mature, it says, for the body of Christ, the fivefold ministry, to bring us to maturity to do the work of the ministry. That is the goal of the church that Jesus had in mind. Now, if we want to do things the way, if we want to go back, if you want to call it this, and do things, we've got to be growing and doing and maturing 
to, to that end so that we can be equipped to, to do and to be part of the work of the ministry. And you, each believer, each believer are part of that goal. You are part of the ministry. You and I should be transforming into his image so as to become more and more like him. And there's so many scriptures that we can go into on that, right? There's like at least five in the New Testament that talk about conforming into his image. But, but it's, it's so important that we understand that it's, that is the purpose of coming here is that we can be transforming into his image. You can be playing a part in that role. Amen. So I, 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 I want to say that because I've had some very ugly experiences with religion. And I feel that we need the liberty at some stage to call a spade a spade. And again, I think it's very important to be very careful here because we're not trying to point our fingers and we are not sowing hatred. Are, you, are we clear? This is not about sowing hatred. This is not about acting better. This is about identifying what can actually help and what can actually hinder. So, so we're not looking for religion. And so last week I had a challenging title that I'm going to continue with today. And I said Christian or believer. That was my title last week. Christian or believer. And, and I said that there's this, there's this second generational idea, this cultural understanding of the term Christian. And um, it's only even though it's only mentioned three times, and, and I, I'd, I'd recommend you go and listen to last week a little bit. It gives you, it sets a little bit of a base tone for this. But three times in the New Testament, only once by one apostle Peter is the term Christian ever used. The other time it's by King Agrippa, and the other time is a historical reference in the book of Acts to when they were first called Christians. And that's the only time. So that, but there's this cultural understanding today. If we have to talk about our current picture, it's changed over the decades. It's changed over the, the millennia. It's changed over the hundreds of years what the phrase means. But right now in our culture, right now, the term Christian has a connotation. And so we have to understand what the word Christian means primarily to you. What does the word Christian mean to you? Because the word Christian is not wrong. It's, it's, it, can be, it, can be seen, it can be seen both complimentary or derogatory. Um, it, it's not, but, but it, it, is it, are, you, are you a Christ-like one? Which is how the phrase gener was generated. Unbelievers call them Christ-like ones. Or some people say it was more of a Christ imitator. So depending on how you interpret that, that could be like, well, you, you're trying to imitate Christ. could be quite complimentary or it could be derogatory. But it's a Christ-like one, again. So, but, but the Bible talks a lot about us believing. Now, I think religion or churchianity, as I've often called it, call it churchianity today, churchianity has made it more about what you are doing, what you are busy doing, what you are active in doing, what you're keeping yourself busy with, how you should be looking, it's, all, it's become very external. Where the term believer is as how we have returned. Or if you're a believer, it's very internal. It's about what you have believed. 
Have you chosen a lifestyle of being a believer? Now, in fact, <laughs> I like this definition of, of separating the difference between a student and a disciple. A disciple is somebody who wants to be like their master that they're following. A student wants to know what their master knows. I'm going to think about that again. A student is just somebody who wants to know what their master knows, but a disciple is somebody who wants to be and act like their master. You see, when we come to Jesus originally and we are saved and we believe on Jesus, we, the Bible says, and of course in Romans 10, if we believe in our hearts, remember that's where it starts, that God raised him from the dead and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. That is how everybody comes to Christ. There is no exception. Everyone who calls on the name will be saved. You don't become to Jesus by because your parents were believers or you've paid $10 million to the church or you get an indulgence written by the head of the church that says you get a free pass or you had somebody chant and sprinkle something over you after you were dead, before you were dead. They, I, I mean, it all exists in religion, so I don't know. You can get baptized for the dead. You can get sprinkled. You can, I, I mean, you can get people out of purgatory, which doesn't exist in the scripture. Um, there's, there is so much. As I said, I can, get, I, can, I can get sick with as much religion is there that is not even in scripture. But, but we come to this place where we choose to either be a believer and we, when we call on Jesus and as Lord and we, and we, we grasp the, the, this, and, 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 and I know this, I'm, I'm really trying to challenge what you believe about things. I, I really do hope that you spend a majority of your time challenging yourself what you believe about stuff because you know what, we grow up in this tradition and I, and I, and I laid into it last week in, in, um, in Mark 7, I think it's 13, it says, yeah, it says that we can make, I've, I did a whole bunch of translations, I'm just thinking about, I'm going to use the Young's literal one from last week, Mark 7, 13, setting aside the word of God for your traditions that you delivered. Or the Weast says, you are rendering void the authority of the word of God by which has delivered you to observe. So, so it, we've, we've done these, these, this word says that our traditions have made the word of God not, not uh, void to null it's an annulled it it's making void the word of god nullify it sorry or rendering void all of these words say that tradition has now listen guys we we all grow up with tradition now i'm a south african i don't have an accent you all have an accent okay you know it's so funny because people when i moved to america it was so funny because people would say to me Man, I love your accent, you know, with, with, and, and of course, at first, my ear wasn't tuned. So anybody in North America, like, you know, America and Canada, I couldn't tell the difference. You all sounded American to me, to my ear, because I couldn't tell the difference. Now, having lived here 17 years, I can tell a New Yorker from a Texan, 
from, uh, I, I can tell the difference. Now, I've heard a friend of mine he says he studied them so well that he could, he could probably tell you where you were raised. I was like, whoa, that is ama amazing. Now, I know in South Africa, it's the same thing. You know other South Africans, maybe, and maybe you think we all sound similar. But I could tell you which part of Johannesburg you're from in our city by the way you speak. I could tell you which, which we've got like 11, you know, uh, languages, official languages. I couldn't tell you, I mean, I knew some of the cultural differences in many of the African, everyone had its own culture. Some of them, man, if you did this, you're going to offend them. Some cultures like the vendor, women are really, really prized. You could pay 13 cows for a woman in vendor, especially if she had a degree. She was very smart. You could get paid. I mean, other cultures, no, women, not so much. You can, you know, maybe a cow for, you can buy a woman for a cow. And, you know, and, you, you know, and then you can have multiple wives in that culture, but not in this culture. You know, you know so I grew up with cultural experiences, and they changed. But, but when it comes to, to accents, it was interesting because coming here, I was, as I said, I, my accent, my ear to the accents got tuned. And I got to like, oh, okay, I, I get it. So you have all these different words in different parts of the country, and they all mean different things. Okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm slowly getting it. Carrie was from up north there, and I couldn't understand at first what a bag was. Do any of you know what a bag is? A bag? No, it's not a bag. Carrie, Carrie's from Montana. She'll have to tell you what a bag is. They said, you want that in a bag? I was like, what's a bag? A bag, exactly. <laughs> I know. It's just, it, but, but, but it was funny because, as I said, people would say to me, you have an accent. And I was like, no, I don't. You have the accent. But, but my point is, you don't think you have an accent. You don't. But I can promise you, if I take you to South Africa, they would think that Mr. or Miss Hollywood just stepped off the plane with me. Wow, you're an American. You've got such an awesome accent. That's what they do. And I've taken Americans with me. So it's fun to watch how people think American accent. That's what they hear on TV. That's what they hear in the movies. So Mr. and Miss Hollywood has just, you are famous. You don't even know it. You can just come, you can come into it. So, but, but the point is, over here, you don't think you have an accent. And it's exactly the same with tradition. You think... Everybody else has a tradition. But me? I don't have traditions. Why? Because you're, you're blind to your traditions. You're immune to seeing your traditions, just like you are to your accent. And, us, and, and we're, the whole world is like that. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, I could go into cultural things, but it's so funny that everybody else blames everybody else for the issue. You think it's a black-white issue in America? Oh, Lord, it's not a black-white issue. It's in the heart of men. I've been into countries where it's the same color people, but if you go into... I was in Israel, and I was in Israel for a number of months. I was studying... I stu studied, like, first-grade Hebrew, just about, and I was, I, I, I was going to go down to Jericho. And the Israelis said, you can't go down to Jericho. They're going to kill you there. There's just Palestinians there. I was like... I had went down, I had a good time in Jericho, I enjoyed meeting the people, getting to understand their culture, and then when I was getting to them, I said, no, I'm going over there. They, they would say, no, you can't go over there, they're going to kill you over there, and I can't tell you how many countries I've been in, whether I've been in Greece, do you know how the Greeks hate the Turks? Oh my gosh, they hate 
the Turks. And the Turks hate the Greeks. Hate them. Hate them. You can, you, if, it doesn't matter which country. You can go to Northern Ireland. I've been to Northern Ireland, Slack Ireland. You want to go to Ireland? I was in Ireland long, not long ago. You want to talk about Irish and about their the hatred, the, the classical? I tell you what, it's got little to do with color. And there is more got to do with our backgrounds, our thinking, and what's bound up in our hearts. And then we just don't see it because, you see, most people, actually most people don't travel very much at all. They don't. So they don't get to see or to, uh, to, uh, to understand that. But, but it's got, it, there, there is this, this the, the, the point is that everybody sees life through their own lenses. You see it through your culture. You see it through your accent, your language. Everything you see is, and it's absolutely normal from your perspective. So what makes your view the right one? Good questions. Because you should ask yourself. Because I can tell you there's good and bad in every single culture. You have phenomenally good things in your culture and you have some really bad things in your culture. And it's the same with every culture that I've ever been in. There's good and there's bad. But you see, there is this word called glory. God's view and opinion, which is reality. And it's important if we don't become a student, sorry, a disciple of Jesus and, and we're willing to learn from him and to, we're willing to adjust and to dispel and even put on the altar, if you will, of our lives. We, we're willing to say, you know what? I am willing to let go of my tradition. Even though I don't know what it is yet. Will you adopt an attitude Will you, will, you, will, you, uh, will you adopt a way of thinking that says, when I am challenged with this, Lord Jesus, I will choose to see things the way you see them. I will adopt. When you challenge me, I will choose to see it your way. But you see, if you ground in and you are cemented in, concreted in to this idea that, no, 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 I see things right you will not even be able to see what God, you will live in confusion and things that won't make sense, you'll just dispel. You'll just say, oh, that doesn't make any sense. And that's why the Bible doesn't make sense to a lot of people because they won't let it change them. They won't see it as the bottom line, the foundational viewpoint from God. They will say, no, it doesn't make sense. Why? Because they are determined this square peg is going to fit in my round hole. And it doesn't can't it will have to adapt you will have to be the one that does the changing and that's what God calls humility yes. humility and being teachable that's why in second I think it's second Peter chapter 5 verse 6 I think it is and in James 4 verse 7 it says the same thing it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble Humility and being willing to say, okay, I am going to, I need to change here. My tradition is not necessarily the way. But you see, we accept all of these things and we live our entire life on a different um, paradigm and mindset. Now, your paradigm in America is very different to um, the ones that I've seen in southern Malawi. If I went and told you the lifestyle of somebody in southern Malawi, 
both living life, breathing air, both define happiness very differently, both define success very differently, both define uh, uh, being, having an upright, uprightness, and you, you just, there's worlds apart, and it's the same with every culture. But you see, we, we, are, we are ground into this idea, this is what success is. This is what it is. This is what it isn't. And so sometimes we live life in this illusion, beating ourselves up, because we believe we don't match up to whatever our culture says is success, is beauty, is whatever the case is. I'm going to digress for another little story, sorry, but I think it's very funny. When I was in Africa, one of the cultures that I went to, the Herrera culture in northern Namibia, a little bit in southern, central to northern Namibia, there's a bunch of tribes in that area. The Hereros, and, and actually it's a lot in the southern Africa, it's, it's across a number of tribes in Africa. Um, beauty is seen very differently to American beauty. It's kind of funny. Because there's this American, you know, what is, what is the top magazine here for... for for uh, that, that girls would think is a, a beauty vogue vogue okay okay let's call it vogue or cosmo whatever these magazines are so you see this this beautiful woman by american culture you know plastered and of course that becomes the standard and who is pretty and what prettiness looks like etc etc and when you go to these <laughs> these tribes for example okay forgive me Beauty, beauty is defined very differently in how big a lady's butt is. I'm, I'm gonna, yes, I said it in church. I'm sorry. <laughs> to the point, you know, you know, in America, ladies will paint themselves with wall paint, you know, certain, or, I mean, makeup, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, to, to, to and, and there's nothing wrong with any of it. Listen, there's nothing wrong with culture in itself. Do you get it? Do you understand? There's nothing wrong with culture in itself. But I want, to, I want you to understand that culture is neither right nor wrong. But like just, just like this, the way they dress up in there, they intentionally make their butts look bigger. I mean like wrap yards and yards and yards of material around their mid butt section so that they, and the fancier the event, the more material they wrap around. Now, does that seem silly to you? But that's considered beautiful. And that's what, that's what they want to look like. Who's right? <laughs> who's right? What, who's, who is beautiful? Who defines beauty? Who defines all these things, right? So, so the traditions, though, that we have to be willing to let go of is, is a choice that you have to be prepared to say, Lord, I am, will remain teachable. Yes. When I am challenged, you see, when I am challenged, I will go to the Word of God because I do call Jesus Lord. I'm in relationship with Him. I'm not, I'm not in relationship with a building or an organization or a doctrine or a doctrine, I'm in relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. And because I'm in relationship with the person of Jesus Christ that I call Lord, I will say to Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, help me out here. Help me see this. Now, 
if we don't have that understanding here as a family, we can't talk real. Because if, if, I, there, if I can't, if I don't have the freedom of saying, hey guys, let's look at this or let's check this out or let's see what the scripture says. If people are going to get offended, and people will, because we all will. You know, Christians, we Christians should be able to be offended. We should be. I'm not, it's not about try, listen, it's not about trying to offend somebody. That's not what I'm saying. But you will be, your, your sensibilities, your traditions will be challenged. Why? Because you didn't grow up in God's culture. We all, no matter which culture we speak in the truth with, we are going to be challenged by seeing it a different way. But if your security, if your self-worth, if you're established, if you've said, no, 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 my tradition is the way it is. That is that then you will be offended. So my challenge is, will you? Will you choose as Jesus, calling Jesus Lord, to understand that I have an opinion, it's okay to have an opinion, but I'm willing to let go of my opinion and receive another one. And more than that, I'm not just saying I'm willing to hear somebody or tolerate, good word today, right? We hear the word a lot. Tolerate somebody else's opinion, but to understand that God's view and opinion, His glory, is the one that's reality. And as we embrace and say, because you see, this is a very fundamental truth that I'm talking about here, because you see, you can only get God's grace for truth, not for your religious, Amen. not for your traditions, not, you can't get graced to have God fit into your understanding of who he is. I'm going to say it again. You can't get God's grace to operate in your understanding of what God should and act like. You can only get grace to, for truth. And truth is what God defines as his reality. Jesus came full of grace and truth. But if you say, I'm not going to see it that way. Oh, God, do this and do this. But you aren't willing to change at your, how you believe and see it. Then you will not be able to receive grace and it affect and transform your life. And for those church hoppers out there that might get me, I know none of you are, but if those church hoppers out there, as soon as you're offended, if you're going to go to another church, you will keep doing that your whole life. If that's the reason that you do it. Because you have to be in relationship with one another. Koinonia in itself, the, not just me and you, but with, with one another, iron sharpens iron. We, I've spoken about that before. You need, to be able to, you need to be able to have relationships with one another. Uh, you need to be able to, 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 to have con hard conversations with one another. You need, if you have a problem with something that I say, I don't mind having a discussion with you. I, I certainly am not perfect. I think I am sometimes, but Corin will tell you otherwise. <laughs> but, 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 but the truth is I'm, I'm a very, I'm, I've got loads of hang-ups. I've got loads of my own issues that I'm working through. Sorry, I'm human. I, I know that there's perfect pastors probably at all the other churches you can go to, and they've got the answers. But me here, I, I screw up royally way too much. Now, I don't try and do it intentionally. 
I do want to change because I want to have life and I'll have life to the full. So, so my relationship with Karen is getting better. My marriage is getting better. My, my relationship with my kids are getting better. Does it mean I don't have hard days on any level? Absolutely. Absolutely. But you see, I, can, I know I can only get grace for truth. And when I, and I spoke that last series a couple of weeks ago when I started talking about the blessings of obedience and, and I had to explain what that even means because we have got such a religious gutterball understanding of a, what obedience means. We think that obedience is this, well, I'm not going to go and reteach that right now, but you, you, if you hopefully you listen to that series, obedience, you can't get anything from God by earning from obedience. Obedience is just the willingness to say God's view and opinion is right. God's way of doing things right. I want, I am choosing to align myself. Who chooses? Me. I'm choosing to align myself with his way of seeing things and doing things. Because my, but you see, we don't, we don't want to do that. We want to live in the dark. I remember I had my poison bottle. We want to do things we want to do via tradition or whatever. And then we want to say, but God, I want to do it my way. right and so we and i had to touch on this i have to touch on it again right now just for clarity your will god cannot override your will or anybody else's will i i, I really there there's so much in my heart that i feel i need to build out here because i feel there's there's a there's an there's this interesting idea that people think that god or the devil can operate on this world independently of mankind he cannot. And we can study all the scripture to go into that. But God gave us dominion over this world. We as humans have, that is why Jesus came. One of the main reasons Jesus came as a man and why he was mostly referred to as the son of man. Because it's only coming as a man that gave him authority to operate as a man in this world. We, Jesus, we God had to operate through people. He, all the time, and that's why he used a human vessel. He didn't do things on his own. And it's the same with the devil. You and I have got to operate, but it's our free will. What will we align ourselves to? How will we choose to believe? Will we choose to be his hands and feet and his mouthpiece and do? And because we become the hands and feet of Jesus, we become literally the ambassadors of Christ. Yes. We're it. We're it. If we don't do it, it ain't going to get done. Jesus needs you. I should have the Uncle Sam hat on, you know, but Jesus needs you. He needs your mouth, your hands, your feet. He needs every part of you to say you will align yourself if you want kingdom to come. If you want kingdom to come in your life, if you want, king, you want to experience kingdom principles in your life, if you want to experience kingdom principles to the world out there, we're it. And that's intimidating if you think about it. You mean if I don't do anything, it ain't going to get done? Yep. That's why the church went into the dark ages for a thousand years. That's why if we don't, if we don't, if we're not the light and salt, this country will go to hell in a handbasket. If we... Sorry, am I not allowed to say that again? Did I say something wrong? Um, if, we, we're, we, if we say, oh, well, I'm just going to stay in my closet and pray, 
but you aren't going to do what he tells us to do, live like he tells us to live, it won't get done. I've said it before. T.L. Osborne said it, and I love the words. He says, you can't ask God to do what he's already done, and you can't ask God to do what he's told us to do. And as we unpack some of these truths in, in, in the future, this is, this is a ground understanding that we need to be. I, I don't want to be offensive, not to you, but I, I do want you to, to make a real heart decision, a real heart decision here. And understand, in, in the, you know, I've been talking about free will, I've been talking about the power of that. The, these are, these are fundamental, fundamental truths that a lot of religion doesn't accept. I can tell you that there's churches, a lot of churches that consider themselves churches, churchianity, that don't believe in the free will of men. They believe God's will can happen no matter what. And I'm like, I can show you lots of scripture that I'm happy to, to unpack, but it, but it can't. In fact, that song, and, I, and I'm just going to touch on it again, you know, in that song that said in the, that um, all things happen, work together for our good. It's very deceptive can be very deceptive because it comes from Matthew, uh, sorry, Romans 8, 28, 27, 28, all those areas. And if you think that it's just that phrase taken out of context, all things happen for the good. No, it doesn't. That's not what the scripture even says. Go to Romans 8 and read it for yourself. It talks about if you're praying in the spirit, you're praying the perfect will of God. Then it says, for those who love God, he can make all things work together for, the, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Four conditions. It doesn't say everything that happens to you happens for your good, but that's the way religion interprets it. Everything happens for your good. Oh, my kid was killed. Oh, yeah, it happened for your good. What? What? But that's how people hear it. That's why people hate God today. My, you, you, my, God killed my kid and you're saying he did it for a reason? Because it's for my good? No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that you live in a world today where stuff happens. Some of it is going to be because, because there are canes in the world with rocks that want to bash your head in, even if you're unable and you just want to do right. You're going to have people that are going to choose to use their world to get doped up or drunk on something and still get behind the wheel of a car. There are people that yield to evil constantly, politically, personally, in our lives, around us, that are going to yield. They can become an instrument of yielding to Satan or to called yielding to that sort of way of selfishness, those evil intentions, or... We can choose to yield to righteousness. We can choose to yield to be salt and light. We can choose to bring life. We can choose to, to unpack and to be a true ambassador for Christ. And you know what? That starts with a choice. Just a choice. And, and, and here, here, at, here at Lake Haven, we're, we're on a journey. I, I know I am. I'm, I, I'm, on, a, I'm on a journey. And, and if you're on a journey, join with us. 
we, I, I need you. I, we need, we, I need the gifts that God has in you. I, have a, I am willing to use the gift that I have, and Corin's willing to use the gift. We're all willing. Those of us that are joined in are saying, here I am. This is, this is my gift. This is what God has given me. To, because the Bible, you know, it says that, right? Yeah. It says that you have a gift. Yes. A gift. It's not, by the way, it doesn't say you're that special that you developed that talent and it's all yours. Yeah. It, it calls it a gift. In other words, God has given you something that it's going to help the body. It's going to edify the body. But are you going to see things? Are you going to choose to see things the way God sees them? Or are you just going to follow along? On Because culture is changing even now. Culture is even saying, oh, don't worry about even going to church. Church is irrelevant. And, and you can just watch YouTube. Dude, if that's not the most selfish thing I've ever heard. You can just watch YouTube? Is it all about you? Just about you? The Bible says that if you love God, those love, I think it's four times within a few verses that those who love God will obey His commandments, will follow His teaching, will hear what He says. If you love God, you will pursue it. If you don't love God, then I want to let you know you don't know the ultimate love of the universe because he loves you and he will never, ever stop loving you. He is passionate towards you. He has a purpose for you, but you have to align with his way of thinking. You have to, you have to choose to align with his truth. That is your choice. That is absolutely your choice. Amen. Let's close our eyes. Father, I thank you for the power of free will. Father, I thank you that your Holy Spirit lives in us and leads us into all truth. Holy Spirit, I know that you're speaking to each one of us today. Online, a recording. The question is, who is your Lord? Who do you serve as your potentate? Are you the ultimate authority in your life? Or have you bowed your knee and called Jesus your Lord? And I want, you, I want to tell you that in no formal fashion is that choice about a church. It's not about Lake Haven. It's not about anything like that. It's not about a membership. It's about choosing to call, to call Jesus Lord. It's about choosing when God said in Isaiah chapter 53, and he said, who will believe our report? God is asking the question. He, his eyes across every age, across every person born, and he says, who will believe our report? He's talking to himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The question is, will we believe his report? Or will we follow another man? Will we follow another doctrine? Will we follow another religion? Or will we follow him? Will we choose to bow a knee and call him Lord 
and say, Lord, I choose you. I choose you. Because if that's the cry of your heart, because I can tell you he loves you, he will never stop loving you. Like the father of the two sons, no matter how far you've run, no matter what you've done, he will always love you. But his arms will always be open to receive you back into his home. Always. And so either if it's the first time if you've never really received Jesus as Lord, or if you're just rededicating your heart, all you do, all you do is have the open honesty and imagine if this was a throne room that you, well, you would open, if you, the doors opened into this beautiful, majestic throne room, and in front of you was the Lord, and seated, seated high and lifted up. And if he said, who will believe my report? What would you say? Yes, Lord. Whatever you choose to say, if you say, Lord, I don't know, there's so much I don't understand, there's so much, that's okay. That's why it's called a journey. None of us know it, and all of us will know one day. But until that day, he will one, we'll help one another. We'll learn from one another. So thank you, Father, for working in our hearts. Holy Spirit, I call every need met in the name of Jesus. Right now, I believe the Lord will confirm his word with signs and wonders and healing. So if you have any pain in your body right now, I want you to put your hand on that pain. Right now, if you have pain in your body at all, just put your hand on that pain. And I speak to that pain in the name of Jesus, and I tell pain, leave you not welcome here. I bind that pain in the name of Jesus. I speak and I lose wholeness to that body in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for signs and wonders. Thank you for providing for people right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Every provision, every provision for life and godliness is ours in you. We thank you, Father, that it's our inheritance as your co-heir. We call it ours. Thank you, Jesus, for earning it for us. In the name of Jesus, it's ours. It's ours. We take that. We receive that. We declare that. We declare that. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we have our prayer ministers, Keith and Sue and Stephen and Elise. They are awesome. Um, no always. Come, please, come. Let them pray for you. Man, they are so spirit-led. They're awesome. Great prayer ministers. Let, let them pray with you. Let them agree with you. Let them speak to you. And um, if you're online, just text the word prayer to our 352-441-3016 number, and we'll be back in touch with you. We'd love to pray with you. Um, don't forget, next week here in the building, we're going to have a, a special fellowship time. Um, even if you don't eat ice cream um, or cake, there will be some available for you. But... Um, Bring a snack then, but come hang out with us. We love you guys so much. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday if you come to Overflow. Did I forget anything? Anybody waving? Yeah, no, that's good. Oh, if you're not online and you know some people that, um, aren't, that um, uh, don't, aren't here and they want an invitation about next week, we have a few invitation cards lying around back there um, for people that don't have uh, access to the internet or whatever the case is. We love you guys. Have a great, great week. Remember, you're important. You're loved. Have a great week.